ignition sequence start. Three, two, one. Lock and load. It's time for the gun rack with your hosts, Joey and Drew. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gun Rack's Northern Desert Institute School of Firearms Technology's official podcast. I'm Josiah Upper. Folks call me Joey. First of all, we have with us one. Hi, Drew Poplin. Hi, Drew Poplin. I prefer a sober one, but I'll take what I can get. Today, we're going to talk about... I could have worded that better, let's be, I guess. No, explain why you fell asleep as we were getting, you know, discussing show notes before. <laughs> oh, you know what I don't have today? Speaking of that, I'm out of Zip Fizz. Oh, you're out of Zip Fizz. I thought I ordered a, a refill and I didn't. And then I blew, I didn't blow. I spent the money according to my budget. Mm-hmm. And so now I just don't, like, I'm just out for a couple of weeks. Uh-huh. Um, I might cave and just do it anyway, but I was up all night. I slept 90 minutes and I crave the power of Zipfiz in a, in a deep way. I feel like we're going to need to have an intervention at some point. L- listen, dude, if you know any other creamsicle flavored substance that can keep me rolling for 42 hours straight, you tell me, but this, this is what I've got. Okay. This is the best I can do right now. How did you carry on before Zip Fizz? Dude, um, therapy mostly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Zip Fizz is a lot cheaper than. Therapy, yeah. Zip Fizz so. and therapy, first of all, completely interchangeable, as we yes. all know. But yes. The, um, yeah, significantly cheaper than therapy. No. Um, I drank a lot of coffee and I didn't particularly like coffee. So my life changed. You know how it was at Costco, you know how those little sample things they hand out? Yeah. Everybody's just looking for a snack and then they just grab one and bounce. Uh-huh. I'm the guy. I'm the guy it worked with. Someone was like, try Zip Fizz. I tasted this. I was like, holy crap. That was years ago. And it's a lifestyle ever since. I won't tell my parents, though, about the you not liking coffee thing. I like their coffee. That's different. That's artisanal tomfoolery over there. And it is uh, pretty high octane. Yeah. Um, if you're ever in the middle of nowhere. I was about to say slightly Western North Carolina. Yes. Check out Garden Root Coffee. It is really good, though. No, no joke. In fact, whenever you and I meet next, that might be a fun place to rendezvous. Absolutely. Uh, that could be fun. Your what are we talking me. about today? Oh, I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> 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 no, we're talking about coffee and zip is, dude. No, we are talking about purchasing used guns, what it's like, and then experiences with it. It's to be kind of a light episode, which is funny because this is an incredibly in-depth topic. However, assuming, you know, as we're not going to write a book on it, we're going to do a little bit of an overview. Drew's found an article that's that's super worth sharing. He's going to do that. I'm going to try to, as he's sharing it, compile a list of every used firearm I've ever owned or purchased and uh, see how many it is. I've never bothered to count. So I'm pretty excited for that, actually. <laughs> I'll be fun. We'll have, we'll have a countdown. We'll be fun. Yeah, dude. But before we do any of that, of course, as always, Drew Poplin is on the clues. Hi or not, Drew's clues. For the sake of my job, I just want to reiterate, I am not. This is the uh, highest he's ever been. You hear me? Yeah. You hear me, guys? Yes. Which is saying something, because honestly, the t- tonality of my voice really. It's pretty uh, impressive, you know. It makes it sound like I always am. Yeah. Um, <laughs> dude, when I went to high school, 
because I moved to South Africa, I went to a new high school. All the stoners in the class were like coming up to me and were like, hey, you know, I was like, oh, no, I don't do any of that. I don't do any of that. And I don't know why you would think that of me. I, I am the son of a youth pastor, and I know what stereotypes are, but I'm not that kind of youth pastor's kid. That's true. You were an absolute freaking goblin. So last week's answer was the A.H. Fox F-grade shotgun. This week, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of an easier one. I know I've been doing some more like archaic firearms lately for Drew's Clues. And while this is an older one, it's a little bit more iconic. So, this popular six-round percussion revolver was designed between the years of 1847 and 1850. It has a mass of 2.6 pounds, a barrel length of 7.5 inches, a total length of 13 inches, and it fired 36 caliber lead balls. Famous users of this firearm include Wild Bill Hickok, not to be confused with Hickok on YouTube, William Buffalo Bill Cody, and Doc Holliday. If you think you know the answer to this week's Drew's Clues, please encourage you comment on YouTube or send us an email at marketing at sdi.edu. And if you are the first one to guess correctly, we'll send you some swag for free. Sounds like yep. a pretty good deal to me. And if you're the last person to send it in, we get the swag we send from you. <laughs> Just go you straight to, to our address. Yeah, you have to send us your best t-shirts and we give them away. <laughs> we have we have to get a piece of your clothing. You can see that Carhartt jacket? Yeah. It's ours now. Give me that. It's ours. Yeah, dude. We definitely want it. And you've definitely washed it. So we're all above board right now. We'll we'll also accept root beer though. Oh, yes. That, please. Root beer. Let's go. But <laughs> in all seriousness though, you think you know the answer? Marketing at SDI.edu or comment on this podcast episode on our YouTube channel. We do monitor that. And before we hop all the way in, do want to real quick talk about SDI. It's the Northern Desert Institute. It's an online school, helps students learn the skills and techniques needed to be successful in the firearms and unmanned technology industries. SDI is accredited by the Distance Education Accrediting Commission, that's the DEAC. And currently, SDI offers two programs of firearms technology, the Associate of Science and Firearms Technology, ASFT, and the Certificate in Firearms Technology Gunsmith, CFTG. There is also the Certificate in Unmanned Technology Aerial Systems, C-U-T-A-S. And uh, if you're interested in any of those, you just want to take your knowledge of this field to the next level, hop on to www.sdi.edu for more. Okay, we've gotten through all of that. I've pulled us off the rails, I think, three times today. And we have more to go. So we're going to talk about buying a used firearm, which is, funnily enough, not something I think we've discussed explicitly here. We've talked about it. I think we've talked about gun shows at one point or another. Mm -hmm. uh, we've definitely written about them. You know, we've talked about all sorts of fun, fun things within this realm. But to just focus that down, we just want to talk about why to do it, sometimes when not to do it. Yeah, there's, there's just a lot, a huge part of this industry does not come from purchasing brand new things. So we, we want to be sure that we cover that in some details. And we love when we're done with this, that any information you guys can share with us at marketing at SDI.edu on experiences you've had, we'd love to hear. Absolutely. I was going through guns.com. This is where we got the article from today. It's guns.com. And it caught my eye because as you know, I'm building up this bank account, 
a little bit more. My brother-in-law happened to mention, hey, you know, have you thought about getting a used gun instead of a new one? And to be honest, not really. Like, I just assumed, okay, I'll just buy a new gun, you know, whatever. And, you know, I kind of realized I hadn't really thought too much about buying a used one. And so it caught my eye, figured we'd go over it with you guys. And um, maybe we'll talk about more in the future. But this, once again, is from guns.com. It's written by Mr. Ryan Donkey. And it's titled, Why Buy a Used Gun? Ryan says, many years ago when I was looking at purchasing my first gun, the thought didn't even cross my mind to look at a used one, like me. I wound up picking out a new Glock 19 Gen 3 from a local gun store for what I thought was a good deal. Shortly after, a friend of mine ended up buying a used one for almost $150 less and in near perfect condition. It was at that point that I quickly began exploring the used firearm market. And so he goes into like you know reasons why you know, people would want to buy a used firearm. So the first one he addresses is probably most obvious, and he even alluded to it in his intro. It's saving money. If you can get a firearm that is near the same quality as a used one for $200 less, why not? And as someone who's relatively new to firearms, it seems like it would be, it wouldn't be a bad idea to actually purchase a used one. And as Ryan points out, having that extra money to spend on ammunition and accessories is never a bad thing. Then he goes on. His second point is it's helpful if you're trying to find a specific gun. And in particular, he's like referring more to older models of firearms. So if you're looking for a specific firearm from the past that maybe isn't in production now, that would be a great option for you. Or that's really your only option at that point. If you want that specific firearm, you kind of have to get it used. He says a great example would be the original Colt Pythons, which were discontinued from 2005 to 2020. If you want to find one that was manufactured pre-2005, you can bet it it will be used. I'd also like to add that not all used guns are old and vice versa, but the used market definitely can be a goldmine for older and hard-to-find guns. And then the third reason he gives is avoiding the break-in period, which is something I wanted to get your feedback on, Joey. He says some guns tend to experience a mix of malfunctions throughout the first several magazines, and then they seem to shoot flawlessly afterward. While I personally haven't experienced many issues with this, I have heard from plenty of other shooters who have. When buying used in most cases, the original owner will already have shot the gun. This can help bypass those pesky issues during the first few range trips. Was that experience that you've had with a new gun? It absolutely can be a thing. It is not something I have experienced. And as the golden age of firearms technology seems to continue forward, I think that is going to be less and less of an issue. I have heard of it being the case, though. I have yet to experience it. And I've shot some 1911s, so that's saying something. And forgive me for my ignorance. Is it just like, you know, like, is it a lubrication issue or? Um. Honestly, I don't know. I assumed it was just new guns sometimes just need a break in and it's, you know, it just is that simple. But I'm sure one of our our graduates could give a much more nuanced answer to that. Yeah, because like I don't want to think of it like in terms of like you get a new pair of shoes and you got to break it in. But like, I mean, I guess it makes sense that something we got to do for a lot of things or like maybe like a cast iron grill. So those were his three reasons. And then he goes on to give three quick and dirty tips for buying used. I'm not sure I like that. So his top three are... Which of the two parts would you object to, though? I 
I don't want. That's dirty what I thought. Tips. That's what I thought. I don't. I don't want dirty tips. I've I've had. Um, you have no ambition. <laughs> I've had frosted tips before, but we don't. Oh no, dude! I did it twice foolishly. Like that's what, what that's what middle school does to a boy. Say, is, is South Africa the Florida of the continent? Well, l- luckily, I got it all out in rural North Carolina before I ever. Well, because in South Africa, you you go to school and they have you know, dress codes. Like it's pretty strict. Like really, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, so like I wasn't able to grow my hair out or you know have the awkward facial hair phase until I got to college. Wow, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So the first tip he gives, whether clean or dirty, he says buy ah. from a reputable seller. I've heard horror stories of people receiving damaged guns, the wrong gun completely, or even not receiving any gun. People talk, and so to refuse, make sure to pay attention to both of them. For you, Joey, is that like something where I imagine you probably prefer going to like a local gun shop or you know even a pawn shop, really, as opposed to buying online with uh, Actually, I've had a lot of success with both, but I have had uh, some issues as well. I have bought firearms at a pawn shop. I have bought firearms in private transactions, all very, very, <laughs> I'm, I'm very uh, scrupulous uh, when it comes to making sure everything is adhered to. I know your state and local laws for that because sometimes they change and you want to, you do not want to make a mistake on that, just mm-hmm. as, as an aside. And I have purchased, I don't think I've, I've been to estate sales. So I don't think I've ever pulled the trigger, no pun intended, on, on one there. And I've done the gun broker route. I had one firearm I bought on gun broker just be not acceptable on any level. And I had a couple that were just steals, absolute mm-hmm. slam dunks. So, you you know, there is definitely an element of risk involved. Yeah. And I guess it's a little bit easier nowadays with like stuff like online reviews and everything. If you see someone has one out of five stars and they're a seller, you know, maybe be best to steer clear. Yeah. Um, I'm not talking like one, one star review either. Like, because if you're in the business of selling anything, if you're a company, if you're a small business, if you're a private seller, chances are you will get a one star review. So if you are in that and you haven't yet, just be prepared. It's coming. People it's are coming. trolls. It's coming for you, my dude. Yep. Tip number two, inspect the gun, which yeah makes a lot of sense. And it's a lot easier, I would imagine, in person because, like, you got actually get to hold it in your hand. You get to, yeah, kind of feel the pull of the trigger, stuff like that. Which I guess there that would be my hesitancy going online. But he does talk about how Guns.com they have a certified user program. Each gun goes through a ten point inspection that includes both the internal and external components. Certified guns will have the corresponding certified stamp on their listing. I imagine. Is that something Gunbroker does? I don't know. It's been a very long time since I made a purchase from Gunbroker. Or is so Gunbroker, sure. is that more like a forum almost? It's, yes. It's basically eBay that knows what it's doing when it comes to this kind of thing. Gotcha. Or at least it was when last I used it, which again mm-hmm. was some time ago today. And tip number three, make sure you know the return policy. So this is more like so if you're dealing with the business. But after you get a used gun home or delivered and have more time to inspect it, there's always a chance you can find something wrong that you didn't notice when purchasing. Understand the seller's return policy just in case, especially when buying online, you'll want the peace of mind knowing that you're covered. 
then he talks a little bit more about like guns.com's offerings and he gets to his final thoughts he says let's be honest it doesn't always make sense to buy used if the price is the exact same for both a used and new version of the, the same gun i would go just go new, new. yeah yeah However, if you can save money or find that gun you've been searching long and hard for, buying it used can be a great option. In addition, sometimes used guns come with extra goodies from the previous owner, like upgraded sights, holsters, extra magazines. So in conclusion, don't let the sole fact that a gun is used deter you from purchasing it. Very good. Yeah. So, Joey, how is that list coming? Pretty good. I know in my heart I'm missing some. Uh-huh. Here, uh, I'll go with the caveat that one of these is not technically a firearm because it doesn't actually shoot a projectile. It's just really flipping cool. It's it is decorative in nature. And then one of these, I can't remember whether I bought it new or used, like uh, like recently assembled or used. But here are some guns that I have owned in the past. And I will say again, and for the thousandth time, always know your state and local laws when buying or selling a firearm don't be stupid do not skirt laws it is not something to trifle with one last one there we go here's what i've got i had a dpms with a heavy barrel that i got i had at some point over the course of my time i owned a radon p64 uh sometimes called a makarov uh though technically not correctly uh five times I had a Llama Mini 1911 in 380. I can't remember the exact model. I had a Bond Arms, which I forgot to write down. Double Barrel Derringer, the model of which I can't remember. A Chambered 32 ACP. I had a Pedersoli Kentucky Rifle, which I bought for $100, which is maybe the best deal I've ever really? gotten. So good. Um, I got a Mosin I got a Westinghouse Mosin Nagant, which is a different, it's an American-made Mosin Nagant that was only made in 1917, if I'm remembering off the top of my head correctly. Really fascinating. I saw it in a, in a store for $115, and I was like, a little piece of history. You got to make that happen. Yeah. I owned a decorative cannon uh, at one point that uh, <laughs> I, I emphasize decorative. I owned three SKSs at one point or another. Um, I would happily, I don't own one currently. I would happily get one again. I loved that gun. They're so expensive now, though. I had a sporterized Enfield Mark III, Lee Enfield. I bought a Desert Eagle at one point. Um, Ruger Mini 30, Taurus 689, Ruger Blackhawk, Setme C308. That's the one I can't remember whether it was new or used. I uh, bought a tri- TriStar T120. And the Six Hour C3, which I referenced here before, was used. Mm-hmm. Um, fantastic firearm. Let me count real quick. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 23, if you include the Canon, 22 in real life. And I feel like that's pretty little or low compared to a lot of these guys out there that, that really know what they're doing. Yeah. Well, it's a lot to me if that's any consolation. Yeah. If, you're, if you feel insecure. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. Stuff. So like um, with me getting ready to be a first time firearms buyer. Yeah. Um, I mean, I suppose it depends on what firearm I'm looking for. 
you know, that kind of determine whether I buy new or used. But yeah, do you just have any thoughts on that? Like any advice? Yeah, I think buying used is a great idea. When it comes to getting your first handgun, if there's something you are particularly interested in, see if you can rent it at the range first. That is not always a given. If it's not a given, or for example, the very first handgun I purchased was a SIG P320. I bought it new. I spent $550 on it at the time. I concealed carried it twice. I hated it. Uh, it was a very solid shooting firearm, but it was very difficult to conceal. Mm-hmm. Very kind of a fat handgun. And because of that, there were some issues when it comes to, or when it came, I, basically I just lost money because uh-huh. you're, you're paying that that sticker. It's like buying a car, deciding you don't like it, and then trading it in. How much money did you just lose? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a lot, right? So if you have a firearm model that you're particularly interested in and it's available on the used market, I I would go that route. I tried Mm -hmm. to. Um, When I picked up my SIG P365XL, I went looking used first. There there didn't happen to be any. So it's, it's the right thing to do. And honestly, that is how a lot of local gun stores make their money. Mm -hmm. Um, So there is a superb opportunity to, it's like uh, GameStop, formerly yeah. Games. They don't make jack on their new gu- uh, new games. Uh-huh. Uh, they make all their profit in flipping used games. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine it's the same for gun shops. Now, um, I imagine you know you've you know, you've bought used. Have you ever sold a used firearm? Yes, mostly. I almost exclusively worked with a FFL here where I'm at because he he had a knack for whatever reason for having exactly what I wanted when I walked uh-huh. in the store. Uh, so I did a lot of trade-ins with him. Uh, super nice guy here in town. I'm trying to see if there's anything I didn't. I think the vast majority of this stuff what was involved in that at some point. Cool. Super good guy. Again buying and selling firearms laws very wildly, depending on your locality. Uh-huh. Um, be super, super careful. And uh, yeah, be very careful. Be sure you're, you're doing the right thing. Cool, cool, cool. All right. So yeah, I think that was the uh, article. That's it for today. As far as you know, our main topic goes, how about some tales from the range? Tales from the range. All right, so this one comes once again from the highroad.com. This is from Meeks36. Says, went to the range today, not my normal one. It was first time at this location. Go in and tell them I need a lane. I signed the paperwork and chat for a few minutes, went in and unloaded all my gear. I started off with my Ruger PC9, uh, Wrangler LCP2, and finally my 590. Someone else walked in halfway through. He was popping rounds two lanes down. I loaded up my 12 gauge and boom. I happened to look over and saw a broken light next to the other guy's lane. So I stopped firing. The owner runs in and says, this is a pistol only range. The shotgun's on the other side. No one told me. No signs. I think I gave the other shooter a mini heart attack. So I apologized for my mistake, and I asked why no one told me. 
The owner said that the lady that helped me was new and should have checked the paperwork and asked what I was firing. Just glad the guy next to me didn't do more than shoot out a light. Woof. Yep. Anyway, thank you everybody for listening to this episode of the gun rack. Joe, any final words? No, I don't think so. You are like, I wish the audience could see it right now. You are like, bathed in immaculate in white. The sun is setting directly over my shoulder right you now. Got like a lens, you got a lens bokeh like yeah, in dude. the bottom left of your screen. It's Oh my you know, gosh, you're right. It's like you're in a L'Oreal commercial. To me. He lives in you. <laughs> it does look like I'm about to pop off some some poor cover of a, of a Broadway song. That's the, <laughs> that's the vibe right now. I was going to say, it kind of looks like you're uh, in a Stephen Curtis Chapman music video from the 90s. Yes, it does. But uh, they've really gone downhill. Anyway, that's enough Stephen Curtis Chapman for this podcast. Folks, have fun out there. Stay safe. And we will see you at the range. Sonoran Desert Institute is an online school accredited by the DEAC. It is headquartered at 1555 West University Drive in Tempe, Arizona. For more information about how you can craft your firearms future, visit sdi.edu.